and welcome to We Bought a Mic. Back here again, recording remotely from the confines of our beautiful, isolated homes. It's week three of Quarantine Pod, giving it to you nice and real and socially distant. I'm Ernest. I am quarantined in my cat's litter box room, Hunter. Ew. <laughs> yeah, um, it's stinky. I'm just Drew. I did the litter today, so it's manageable. Smell isn't too bad. Your Zoom name is Skimbleshanks, though, so we should let Yeah, the... but you don't tell them that. I, I'm secret. Oh, secret Skimbleshanks. People, I'm, I'm running a, a long game where I want people to guess if I'm actually Skimbleshanks or not. Sometimes okay. when I say I am, I'm not. Covert railway cat. Co- COVID the... No. <laughs> and joining us... Back again, special, incredible guest star, now sponsor at the level of 99 cents a month. Uh, so you are now a controlling stockholder in the We Bought a Mic podcast Although empire. we did establish previously that our highest sponsor is the only one that has any sway. So right now, Brian is just edging you out. We yeah. Should be, we should have Brian. You are, you are involved in a bidding war for the ultimate rights to- What the uh, fuck are you talking about? Who's outbidding me for the podcast right our now? Our fucking shooter in Kansas, bro, Brian. It's Brett <laughs> Nemiroff. Hey, guys. What's <laughs> up? Welcome back. Uh, remotely this time. That's right. Um, but it's all good because, you know, we need to keep away from each other. Don't come fucking near me, okay? Just just know that now that I own the podcast, I reserve the right to interject and interrupt all of you at any point, and you can't say anything. That's fine. You can mute us. You should give him God mic powers. Should I mute, should I mute you guys? And just- yeah, I... I- I want you to take over my mouse on my computer and start clicking around randomly until I get coronavirus on my computer. I can do that. I can hack you. Honestly, I think a lot of our episodes would be better if our guests could mute us because we just <laughs> we talk too much. I'm not going to stand for it. They should like that's the feature is that you can control a podcast with multiple people and be like, I don't like your take. It's like around the horn on ESPN and you can just mute somebody's face. Yeah. The future of podcasting is a bad ESPN show from 2003. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we'll start doing these Zoom calls uh, visually for our audience if they really want to look at our, our beautiful faces and they can start drawing all over us. Um, Let's start and, twitching. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the hot new thing, you know. Let's push publish them uh, visually only for people who donate at five dollars a month. So we'll just send it to Brian. <laughs> Brian's the only person who gets to actually watch us do the podcast. They get to watch the magic happen. Mm-hmm. And yes. me, I figured it was time to diversify my portfolio, so I thought I'd pick up some assets. Yeah, bought some stocks. This, <laughs> this is all, the only all other asset. stocks are flailing. Yeah, podcast yeah. stocks are the only ones that are just climbing. That's right. You're going off Wall Street. That's a good call by you right now. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, uh, culminating in a big old Tiger King uh, discussion. But before we get to that, we got to take a moment of somber solace remembrance because the horrible disease that is COVID-19 has 
taken a big member of the entertainment community, frontman of Fountains of Wayne, Mr. Adam Schlesinger. When you and- say, when you say, <laughs> when that's the credit you give him, it sounds like a joke. You can. If, if it was, you're lucky it's not me because I would have just credited Stacy's mom. So don't, yeah. don't pass the mic to me. I was listening to Stacy's mom the other day when, when the news dropped that he had passed. I was sobbing. I was sobbing listening to that song. I'd and I'll say it right now, that whole album, Inter- uh, Welcome Interstate Managers, banger after banger after well, banger. Okay, let's let's give the man some more credit because Adam Schlesinger was one of like the most immensely talented power pop artists ever. He he didn't just do fucking Fountains of Wayne. He has so much uh, in his back pocket um, that it's just now six feet underground. <laughs> there was Fountains of Dwayne. Yeah. Um, he did, uh, he wrote the song Just the Girl by Click Five. That was actually his highest charting song ever. Uh, Click, the Click Five were a all-American rejects wannabe band that failed hard after that because that's the only song he wrote by them and it's their biggest smash. Uh, it's a great song. It is a great song. wrote some Bowling for Soup songs, including Almost. Uh, he wrote, uh, all of the the music that the, the band The Wonders played in the movie uh, That Thing You Do, Tom what? Hanks directed '90s movie. Are you he wrote, serious? He wrote That Thing You Do. Um, That's great. That's a good song, though. It's an incredible. I've been I've had it stuck in my head for like the whole week. It's genuinely it's one of the best movie songs that is trying to replicate an era ever. Like it's flawlessly done. My mom um, just posted a link to that song on Facebook, like yeah, before it happened. Maybe he gave it to Tom Hanks. Oh, shit. Yeah. Here are some of the other uh, movie uh, music creds that uh, Schlesinger had. Ice Age, Continental Drift. Um, music and Lyrics. That's a good movie with uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, Shallow Howl, Robots, an American classic. Yeah, he was all over soundtracks. And then... Aside from all, all of the movie credits, the, probably the most that he contributed to a single project outside of Fountains of Wayne was he contributed to over 150 songs from the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. A show which, I've always wanted to watch. We haven't covered it on the pod. I've actually seen a few episodes and it's a very good show. And it's one of the reasons that it is so good is that the music manages to stay at an insane standard of quality, even though it is a television show and it's a musical comedy show. You would think that there would be a steep drop-off in the amount of music that you could pump out for, like, 20 episodes a year. But he really, really, like, he brought heat on that show. Uh, He also is, he's also, like, a pretty, like, he's worked with some big names as far as, uh, like, producing and mixing stuff. Like, he's worked with Dashboard Confessional, Robert Plant, Motion City Soundtrack, uh, They Might Be Giants. Like, he's worked with a few big names. Also, I'm not positive on this, but I know that he did some songwriting for Scrubs, and I think that he was one of the main people behind the musical episode of Scrubs. Oh, I've totally best, that. Which is the best episode of Scrubs. That's a so. good episode. Yeah, I think the, the other thing I wanted to say is um, it, it just when something like this happens and it's such a tragedy that is too soon, you know, he was only 52, you start to see how somebody like Adam like impacted other people in the showbiz community and how nice of a person he was. I don't know if you guys saw um, Sarah Silverman posted a really emotional uh, kind of 
remembrance post Did you work on, on the Sarah Silverman program. Um, I don't know, but they were collaborating on a new project. And yeah, he, he was they, extremely involved in Hollywood and in, in like tight, good comedy circles of very funny people. Like he was he was one of the more well-regarded people that no one thought twice about uh, outside of his circles. He was incredibly, incredibly good. Yeah. And, I uh, mean, he incredible. will be missed, man. I like I said, I was listening to that Fountains of Wayne album. God damn, what a good album. Like genuinely, not even ironically. I know like Stacy's mom has become like a like a joke song for a lot of people and it's i mean it's funny because the guy that was what he was good at um but just some of the other deep cuts on there like mexican wine bought for a song just genuinely great great songs that had like a a comedy edge to them uh yeah it sounded different they liked writing songs about people that otherwise wouldn't get songs, sort of like uh, the song 1985 by Bowling for Soup, which I think he co-wrote, where it's just like about very normal people who kind of are fucking boring. That was sort of his sweet spot as like a, a pop artist. They're almost the same song, Stacey's Mom in 1985. Yeah, yeah they're unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, he I know for sure that he did write the song uh, High School Never Ends by Bowling for Soup, which is a great song, but again, also kind of like a joke song. Like he was... He was a smarter dude than the music that he made would lead it to appear. Yep. That's a good point. Well, guys, on a much, much less depressing note, we are recording this episode on Monday, April 6th in the year 2020, a.k.a. as it will go down in history, National Quibi Day, guys. Oh, oh no. Let's fucking go. Quibi was released at 12.01 a.m. <laughs> last night. I was ready. I had been quibbying my day away. I have now realized that movies are bad and everything would be, be better if it was in a Quibi. If I just got a Quibi of everything, that would make my life so much better. Well, what I was saying before is I think their whole business model is down the drain. Now that everybody has more than like 12 seconds of free time or whatever they call a quibby. Well, um, yeah, it, well it, it whole premise 10 is minutes. essentially like lunch break content. Yeah. Or like my whole day is a lunch break. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Hey, listen, I might have more time, but that just means I just get to plow through more quibby shows. Okay, guys? I get to watch more punked hosted by Chance the Rapper. I get to watch more of the new Caitlin Olsen Will Forte show. That settles it. I Hunter's Joe watch... Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> For our casting. Yeah. No, I, 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 I get that. to. So I. So obviously, none of you guys have jumped on the Quibi bandwagon yet. Um, Scorsese has already announced he's going to release his next movie. It will total three and a half hours long. And he will release it in six to eight minute increments. Hunter, what amount of what you're saying is true? Is uh, none of this, have you watched anything on Quibi? <laughs> I actually, I have. I okay. Have watched, okay, what did you Sell watch? me, sell me. <laughs> so there are certain things about the Quibi model, which is kind of cool. I won't say that it all works, but it is kind no, of cool. I, I did I a watched, segment on Quibi like months back about how they were signing like massive names. Yeah, so I did watch the first three episodes. For most of the shows, like two or three episodes have been released. They're doing a 90-day free trial, which is why I 
signed up to do this, to go on this experience with Quibi. Um, I watched the first three episodes of the Caitlin Olsen Will Forte show flipped. Um, mm. It's it's solid. Uh, won't say it's great. Um, I like both of the people involved. It's pretty much it's a play on an HGTV house flipping show. So Ernest, I know it speaks to you a lot with your Jeremy Renner love. Yeah, flipping houses. Do you, um, yeah, do so you watch it? Already got Ernest on board. Um, oh, so that's a stretch. I had what. Do you watch on your phone or do you watch like on a monitor? All right, yeah. So listeners, let's backtrack a second. If you don't know what Quibi is, it is a mobile-only streaming service. No you fucking You cannot way. watch it on any other device that is not a mobile device. <laughs> so I will say one thing that was – it was almost distracting at first because they clearly – they shoot all of their – like they whenever they shoot uh one of these shows they do it with two cameras at the same time so you can watch it both vertical and horizontal on your phone oh so that's, um, really, that's so really cool back and that's forth. super cool i like, like that so i was whoa. i was kind of going back and forth with it to look at it because usually the way that it works mostly is that it'll be like a wide with for example caitlin olsen will forte talking with each other it'll show wide or it'll have the um if you hold it vertically it focuses on whoever's talking almost like this zoom call and then it kind of just pans over to the other one when they're talking and pans back to the original one that stuff is fine i don't like it as much now (laughs) one thing that was an example of it that i thought was cool was there's one moment in the show because for example the show is about these two people uh husband wife that have gotten fired from their job and HGTV or it's like HRTV are holding an audition for a house flipping show to put on their network. Um, And so there, there was one scene where it was showing them, if you're looking at normal horizontal view, how we watch everything else, it was just showing them with the tripod, uh, like filming themselves on their camera, like doing this little thing. If you hold it vertically actually shows the phone camera, like, Oh, that see, that's kind of neat. I mean, I'm not gonna pay to watch it, but it's it's fun. I'm gonna throw down to explore the app because they got, like I said, they put in like any of these companies. The idea of it did not titillate me to say the least. But then uh, they got funded by insane amounts of VC, uh, and all of a sudden, like a billion plus dollars are being thrown to like good content creators. Well, n- uh, namely Jeffrey Katzenberg, who's like one of the legendary producers of Hollywood, you know, like yeah, he started got, like, DreamWorks with board. Spielberg. Yeah. 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 And like all these other people. Yeah. So, so my- and, and then as far as uh, like the thing that you were explaining with like, it'll like the, it pans over sort of like, like low rent, like YouTube video style, I would assume. The reason behind so, that is because a large amount of their content is supposed to be delivered on a daily basis, which means that there's not enough time whoa. to edit a lot of these things. Yes, but particularly the real like talk shows that they're doing. So I was going to say, speaking, you brought up YouTube, and that was what I was going to bring up was uh, my girlfriend was talking about that this could be, the idea behind this could work. Because take, for example, a show like Broad City, what was originally a YouTube show and then got picked up and put on a national network. I could almost see some shows because they're bringing in these creators 
uh, on board into Quibi that maybe the show will then get picked up by a Comedy Central or by something else that will take this idea or the skeleton of this idea and then bring in some of the creators to make a full 23 episode of television or something like that. Uh, so, Quibi probably has more money than Comedy Central. I think... Well, Oh, so I was going to say they do have, I did watch an episode of Punked uh, with Chance the Rapper, which is almost, it seems like this would be better as a YouTube series or as a Quibi thing because Punk just, uh, it's, I don't know if you guys watched a lot of Punk back in the day on MTV with Ashton Kutcher, sure. but it's best uh, digested in small segments, I would Quite, say. What, what, this feel, what this feels like to me is like the transition between like episodic uh, series to movies and then like really cinematic movies to TV. But this is like with YouTube and Quibi instead. So that yeah. like YouTube model of the short, there, there's a lot of really great stuff on YouTube, obviously. So it seems like they're capitalizing on that. But it seems like this punk show is like in collaboration with MTV. Did you know how that works? Yeah, there are deals cut yeah. with networks. Uh, and yeah, like there, yeah, there are I mean, rights being exchanged for sure. Like, I like they because they secured all these giant producers. That means they also secured everything that those producers have secured in the past. Um, so they do have a lot to play with. But the conceit of it is just a little funny because what they're banking on feels like the idea that there are a lot of people who just can't take YouTube seriously. And so they're saying, well, this is YouTube, but with a pedigree. Yeah, with when stars. There are celebrities, and there are like, right. like high production value shows that are just uploaded to YouTube. But right. they're making on the fact that a lot of adults cannot make that leap in their mind of saying, like, I'm going to watch some serious, well-made content on YouTube. I would see, I would, I, I mean, maybe I'm in a different age bracket than what they might be. It's tough to to say like what some of these shows are particularly targeted towards, but I might be more keen to tune in to something that is from more of like a YouTube type creator than like a more traditional TV or movie star trying to be something that they're not. It would make more sense for like the I don't know if you if you guys uh, know uh, Marquez Brownlee on YouTube MKBHD yeah, for him to do yeah for him to do something on Quibi that is like tech related I would be that seems like a better fit that's than, that's what Comedy Central is doing sort of with like the likes of Gus Johnson they're pulling the YouTubers into Comedy Central trying to capitalize on that but with that said I think if Quibi does that it'll work way better. Well, I feel like Quibi is trying to do some more stuff like that. For example, like a couple of the other things that they have partnerships with is Dodo, which for those of you who don't know, is just the very cute animal videos that are like three to six minutes yeah, long where they just show like, and they show a dog and then this dog actually got abandoned because he's blind and also has no legs and also is dead. Um, and then you feel bad for the dog and you're like, oh, I love this guy. I want to give him all my love. They partnered with Dodo. It is funny. One of their biggest producers is ESPN because their whole thing was like, we'll just give you a seven minute version of SportsCenter that you can just recap oh. everything right now. Thank God. Um, 
sports aren't happening right now. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, what's that going to be? So I clicked on it and uh, the replay by ESPN is just the world without sports. Oh. So that's, don't really got a lot to talk that's about. That's depressing, there. man. It they is, should do esports. Well, I mean, they do. I don't Drew, even don't, get, Drew, I could, don't you fucking roll your eyes one more time. <laughs> I saw that. Believe can, me, I watched, it. I watched along with Drew. I know for sure, at least watched part of, there was an NBA player. Yeah, this, uh, playing yeah, this is 2K why I rolled tournament. my eyes because uh, oh, there's NBA players Which, playing 2K and it is the worst of both worlds. <laughs> right. Because, because, so not, because they suck. They're also not that good at 2K. <laughs> right. That's, it's that's like, it's, it's like failing on the Twitch streamer model on both, both ends. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. It's, it's incredible. I, I think yeah. uh, it's. It seems like from from what you guys are saying, it's like because you mentioned the uh, like the dodo, and that's you see a lot of that on Facebook and maybe like Snapchat. So it seems like this is kind of just the link between like Netflix and the social media in general. It's kind of like uh, building that bridge. I, I could see it working. It's just interesting I mean, that get- they're starting it in the middle of a pandemic. You know, like they everything else got pushed back to later on in the year, except for the launch of Quibi. That stayed in stone. And it it seems like a really interesting move for them to be like, okay, we're sticking to our guns. We have all this programming ready to go. And world events are not going to make this thing budge because we're so sure of it. So you guys have come in here hot with your criticisms. But I will say, I haven't had a chance to dive into Chrissy's court yet. We've literally so, been supporting it for me, the last five minutes. Let me let me give you the bio for Chrissy's Court, because that might sell you on just buying like a 10-year subscription to Quibi right now. <clears throat> the cases are real. The decisions <laughs> are legally binding. And the judge, dot, 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 is Chrissy Teigen. Oh, no. And the judge, so, dot, 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 is a little wine drunk. <laughs> So, I mean, if that doesn't sell you on anything, I hope that there's like a murder trial there and Christy Teigen determines somebody's life and they're like, she's like, you're going to jail. And then that's it. They're they're going to jail. So. Hey, they're bringing back Reno 911. And yes. Like, oh my gosh. Yes. And le- Legends that. of the Hidden Temple. Yeah. Me and I, Hunter are going di- to audition for that. Wait, so wait, <laughs> Reno, nine, say, Reno 911 is on Quibi? Yeah. Why did it's I see it on YouTube? On I saw it on so YouTube. It's, it's coming back on there. I am very excited, and I did sign up for uh, Legends <laughs> of the Hidden Temple. I think that they are going to start filming in the middle of the pandemic in LA, so I don't know if that that might get pushed back a little bit. Uh, but well, that's the key to to the vaccine is you solve the hidden. Te- <laughs> it's in the hidden temple, and Olmec whoever wins, knows. Olmec knows, and he's not speaking. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's, that's, that's a, what a, they're not saying about this whole thing is that it's all viral marketing for Quibi. Whoa. That's that's a half decent SNL skit waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, half decent. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna say that any given SNL skit's gonna be good, you know. Can't really in this our moment, expectations that oh, high. just wait till Joe skits his hands on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just wanna see Alec Baldwin Ooh. walk out there with an N95 mask. And then I'll be a happy boy. Or, or like a Crips bandana. Oh, God. All right, we got to move on. Hunter, what, so, what else you got? One thing that is only an hour long and should be longer, I don't want a quick bite of it. I want the whole goddamn feast. 
I have been watching season 40 of Survivor Winners at War. Yeah, um, dude, it's good. Oh, you've okay, seen so it, Brett? Brett? So you have been watching, right? Okay, here's what I, the only thing I've, I saw was I watched the end of last season and I saw the trailers for it. And I saw a little bit. My parents watched it a lot and I caught a little bit of it, but I haven't stuck around. But it looks awesome. Survivor is a cool show. I, I put no, on the I, first episode and I, I used to be super into Survivor like early, early on. And I put on the first episode of this new season because it's like all the winners. Like, holy shit, that's that's insane. But I, I felt kind of out of the loop a little yeah. bit because it's a show. It, when Survivor started, it used to be about like how all these people from different walks of life would come together in this competition to outlive, outplay, and outlast. And... The, all of their lives and everything that they live outside of the game, how that would dictate how well they did in the game. And now, 20 years later, it's a show about itself. And it's about how the contestants have watched each other in the show and what they know about each other from past seasons. And I was like, because I haven't watched it, I there was a weird dissonance where I just felt like, oh, I'm not as invested in this as people who have kept up with it over the past 20 years. So I just kind of checked out, but I'm sure it's awesome. I will say that I think that it is, I mean, I always loved Survivor anyways for the manipulation and the backstabbing. Like that is where, that is where Survivor thrives is in the human moments and just kind of seeing how vicious humans can be when it comes to trying to win money especially when they've only been eating like a cup of rice every day for the last three weeks and watch these people physically and mentally break down that's where it beats big brother yeah i think that we're sure that this season even though i did feel a little bit of that dissonance whenever it started because i hadn't watched the show in at least 10 years probably longer than that um yeah probably closer like 10 to 15 years the last but i think that uh this season is right up there with heroes versus villains which was an incredible season of television it was season 10 so like about five years in that they uh had that season which was unbelievable just because these are all winners so it is a master class in manipulation and watching these people that you don't have any weak links on this team and everybody is bringing in their own style. My favorite character was somebody who did get a uh, vote off. It's this guy named Boston Rob. Who's this oh, guy he's who has God. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, has, like, they, this, of course they booted him. Cause he is like, yeah. everyone was he's gunning a, for yeah. him. Yeah. He is, I mean, he's on Edge of Extinction, which is a whole other thing. I'll get into that in a second. But I, he has, like, this <laughs> godfather persona to him where he tells people, like, I don't like you. I'm, I'm going to fucking bury you. And then he does it, which is so cool to see that. And then you have, like, the coattail riders. People are trying to ride so under the radar that they're, like, behind the scenes pushing people yeah, towards you have voting to be the, a the puppet master. Out. you have to be like not in the spot no i i disagree because that what hunter is saying is that people have one survivor in different ways it's not always being about like, no no i'm just that, this, that's master. what my strategy would be is i would <laughs> well but the thing is so drew you would be what's called a goat though which is if you're somebody who just kind of flew so under the radar the whole time Whenever you get to final tribal council, you don't get any votes because people are like, they haven't done enough to actually win survival. No, I know. I'm so talking that's why about... you have to do just enough 
to get but, noticed, but not enough that you become a target. So I watched one season of, of Big Brother um, sort of against my will. And luckily it ended up being kind of one that's regarded as like maybe the best season ever of that show where this guy fully, fully tricked everyone. And by the time they were eliminated, they realized that he was the puppet master. And so he won because once they were out, they all kind of convened and were like, oh shit. This man yeah. was pretending to be like a landscaper and he was secretly an undercover cop. Damn. It was, yeah. these shows are, have awesome. a lot, a lot, a lot of entertainment value in them. Yeah, uh, I, well, I will say, so this season of Survivor, the only things, and now I've come kind of full circle on them, but at first I was super against, they now have what's called the Edge of Extinction, which is you can get voted off and then you live on this island where... It's survivor in survivor yeah yeah you exactly. try to earn your way back into the game i don't like how like late into the season they let you come back into the game because somebody a couple seasons ago they were voted off and then they came in uh like when there were only like six people left and they ended up winning the game which kind of sucks um but i do like it in this season specifically because a lot of the younger people know the value of the old timers. And so a lot of the classic people, people that won the first 10 seasons or so of Survivor are getting kicked, like they're getting voted out immediately because people are like, we don't want to mess with the Robs, the Ambers, the Parvities. We just want to get them off the island as soon as possible. But since they are on Edge of Extinction, you do still get to spend a little bit of time with them. Smart. I have gotten to the point, another person um, who... Uh, I, I really, really love who I'm glad is back on this season is Yule. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys, Yule I is Yule. always my favorite because Yule is a guy where he used game theory whenever he was on. He was like the smartest dude ever and he just always played the odds in his head and that's how he ended up winning his season. Uh, I think he was on Cook's Island, but. Yeah. He, oh, um, he's, oh, he's the man, dude. Yeah. Dude, he is, yeah. he is. The so best. he's doing really well. Guy. He's doing really well right now. He did just get voted off, but oh, I think that fuck. he has a good chance of getting back into the game. But there are, I mean, I say that, but there are a bunch of people that I was not familiar with that I really love. Yeah, all uh, the Sophie. newbies. Yeah, like a lot of the newbies that I, again, I was not familiar with them at all. But I, I'm really, really liking uh, a few of the people that have come back. Are you watching so. on um, Hulu with live sports or uh, I'm watching CBS? on Quibi. Oh. <laughs> I'm watching it all on Quibi. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm watching it. It's all on Hulu right now. Yeah. Um, I binged. I caught up so because I was just like, God, I've been wanting to get around to this show. I could watch Better Call Saul. I could start watching The Wire. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to watch the new season. <laughs> I've, right. I've hey, actually been watching Better Call Saul. I'm on season three. Dude, so <laughs> fucking great. Oh, it's so good. It's amazing. It's, it's really fucking good. So I, I, I might, you're, you're kind of convincing me to, to give it another shot. I just, again, I just felt kind of out of the loop. I was like, I don't know if I, if I'm going to like this, but it, it sounds like it's fun. Um, I will say it's a great, it's one of the best seasons of reality television I've seen in a very, very, very long time. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. So Survivor on CBS. Okay. I'm going to run through my shit real quick so that you guys can get into Tiger King. Um, without me because i haven't seen it yet so rapid fire tv better call saul fantastic devs great um Have westworld yet, brett 
No, is that is that the one with Nick Offerman? Yes. Yeah. Alice really, Garland really great show. Where, where do I watch that? What's Hulu. That on? Hulu. I gotta watch yeah. FX on Hulu. It's yeah. I want. Really I want to know what show. you think about it. You know, it's like in the world of uh, technology. It's obviously like you know pretty fantastical and uh, dystopian, but it's a it's a cool show. I'm really enjoying it. Um, Hunter's camera is doing something odd right now. I'm telling you, Hunter, he cannot stop fucking wiggling okay, around. Look, whenever we do this. I muted Zoom it this around. time. You guys can't be mad at me. I did mute it. Oh, I did he, he was getting another, another white. Yeah, another clock. Okay. I muted I it. Okay, you. I wasn't making a drink on with the camera on like I did last time, so. Anyway, uh, Westworld, it's fine. It's fun. It's whatever. It's It's fine. Okay, I watched a bunch of movies this week. And I want to talk about um, a few of them right now. First of all, The Mask of Zorro is on Netflix. Guys, this movie fucking rips. Oh. Please watch it. It's fucking amazing. Anthony Hopkins does gymnastics in this movie. It's amazing. Yeah. Anthony and, and fucking Antonio Banderas and Catherine Seta-Jones are sex on screen. Just ripping each other's clothes off with swords it's amazing it's like all of the sex that is not in the mcu marvel movies because they are so <laughs> sexless is all concentrated in this 1998 zorro movie it is just incredible fucking incredible yeah, ba- banderas be fucking though I dude mean- he i think he was the most attractive person in 1998 in the world maybe maybe second only to Catherine side jones who is also in this movie so it rips it fucks um also revisited hairspray the 2007 film based on the hit broadway musical um this movie's not good but i love it with all my heart it's like it it Look. scratches the same itch as like the Mamma Mia movies um, because the, the music is just so amazing. But I think it, it's a level above uh, Mamma Mia because it's original music. Yeah, it's not it borrowing like ABBA's music. Um, so uh, now without further ado. It's, it's also, I will say, it's also just a better movie and has yeah, better music than they, and, and they solve so. racism, you know? So if you they have a do. movie that solves racism against a movie that doesn't solve racism, of course you're going to go with the one that does. All right. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people say, a lot of people say that The Wire was the best uh, showcase of race dynamics in Baltimore, but it was actually Hairspray. Right, exactly. Musical All right. Music. All right. Can I have, can I have my catch up? Can I have 30 <laughs> seconds of catch up before we get too deep into solving racism here? Uh, All right. I, I, yeah, I'm going to return to Hairspray, but yes. Make it, make it like okay. 10 seconds. Come back to Hairspray. So I, I wanted to say that this is really like the renaissance of gamers. I know you guys aren't the biggest gamers in the world, especially online games. Servers are like crashing for a lot of the popular games right now because of how many people are just playing this shit. Fortnite. Right, you don't have to tell me. I've been playing Animal Crossing and it has just been exhausting. Yeah, Animal Crossing is fucking huge right now. That cannot be understated. I, I, I know Hunter's playing my girlfriend's I'll save that for another week. I'll yeah, save that but, um, for another time. Yeah, I've been playing like old school RuneScape. Um, 
a little bit of like League of Legends and stuff like that. It's been are are the blast. League servers crashing? Yeah, they're struggling. Like these these servers are like they're either going down or they're giving you warnings about login issues and things like that. They're definitely struggling, but we'll see, man. That, that's mainly what I've been doing. Like I've been watching Community. I watched the nice. Community again. It made me realize like how much I only really like in the middle. Like season one is good, but I think like two through four is like where it's at. Yeah, that's, I think that's yeah, for sure. I think three is the best. Three. Yeah. I mean, they each season has amazing episodes, but overall, I think three has the most that are just incredible. Yeah, that's a good point though. That every every single season has standouts that are ten out of tens, but there are seasons that are pretty wildly inconsistent, and there are some. Yeah. It's the problem with this is happening in Rick and Morty as well. The problem with trying to imitate that writing style is you can very easily sound like someone who is trying really hard to be smart. And there are certain episodes that you can tell it, it was just written by a staff writer who was trying to imitate their intelligence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, two, two has amazing episodes. Like if you look at the episode count for season two, it has the the bottle episode with the pen. It has the Dungeons and Dragons episode. It has the big finale with like the paintball, one of the paintballs, the second right. paintball Ooh. run. So it's it's good, man. It's on Netflix right now. So if people are have been waiting for their chance to binge Community. Now's the the time to do it. Um. Anyway, without further ado. My top three songs in Hairspray 2007 are Jesus <laughs> number one. I told, guys, I tried. I tried. Thanks, run and thanks tell, so much for coming on the pod, Brett. We appreciate it. Run and tell that. That uh, is the correct answer for the best song in Hairspray. That song is rips. a fucking bop. Yeah. Black of the berry, sweet of the juice. I can oh. sing it. It's all the down. Oh. What's the use? Get it. Oh, yeah. Okay. The dancing <laughs> is just phenomenal. Number two, you're timeless to me because you get to see Christopher Walken and John Travolta on screen <laughs> together for the first time. And they're dancing and singing. Just impeccable shit. Impeccable Wait, shit. Do you, do you have COVID 19? Yeah. <laughs> Sidebar, what do you think? What did you think about John Travolta? Did you like him? It is a little bit unsettling. Uh, I, I when I was a kid, I didn't think much of it, but as an adult, it's like kind of scary to see him like that. Um, I don't <laughs> Just, know how you I mean feel about see it. him in drag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to see him in drag. Uh, and then number three is the big finale you can't stop the beat which is just mm. just in- amazing but i mean the that's whole also, soundtrack is is so it's good. really good really good amanda that's also the song where we find out that amanda Bynes is hot now so we yeah can't, we can't over over yeah. that yeah and, and like, she oh, tasted shit. she Damn. tasted chocolate and now she's never going back Ew. um okay <laughs> moving on i saw onward on disney plus uh sweet sweet little movie just lovely in every way. Uh, yeah. Pixar just knows how to hit you in the emotional sweet spot. Uh, I Yeah, like Hunter said last week, not anywhere close to top tier Pixar, but I really enjoyed it. It was really well done. This uh, coronavirus has been really good for Disney Plus because they were flailing. They, they were dealing with so many canceled projects in the news. 
they just got announced that Kevin Smith had something that was canceled because of some sort of disagreements. And now they're getting movies that you can't watch anywhere else that people actually want to see that aren't like a hundred years old. I'm a little worried about this though, because I don't want them to like put the new Mulan movie on Disney plus because that'll start a precedent for big movies going straight to Disney yeah, plus. That's bad. I don't want that I to happen. I, I forgot to bring in trouble right now. I forgot yeah. to bring it up uh, in my catch up, but I did watch Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is the perfect movie to get put out early because that movie is fucking an incredible small little indie movie about a teenage girl who gets pregnant and her journey to try to get an abortion. Right. That is it's the not a perfect big, movie. big yeah. blockbuster type thing. That's the perfect movie to get released. Um, I, I don't even want to say much about it because uh, go see this movie. It might be the best picture of 2020 if movies stop, <laughs> yeah. stop coming out this year. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Pay, pay the $20. Last, last thing before uh, you guys get into Tiger King. Um, I have been trying to figure out what I'm going to dive into over the course of this pandemic uh, quarantine period. And I haven't really like, you, I, I haven't watched Tiger King yet, or, or I haven't like gone into uh, back catalogs of, of, things that have been sitting on my watch list. So I just kind of stumbled upon a little bit of a James Cameron filmography watch through. And I'm, I think I'm going to see it through um, because I, st- I watched Aliens this week. And holy shit, guys, this movie is fucking perfect in every way. And it's all because of James Cameron and how much of a genius madman filmmaker he is i know that we like to make fun of avatar and the blue people that fuck each other in the ass with their tails or whatever nobody said ass nobody said any of that (laughs) (laughs) but he revolutionized filmmaking with aliens like he they the things they were doing on that movie with the creature effects and the production design it was just completely ahead of its time in every way 1986 almost a whole decade before Jurassic Park and my god this movie holds up it's like you watch that first alien movie Ridley Scott and you see how contained it is and it's just one alien And it's so claustrophobic. And then they open it up to like this bigger thing. But compared to how movies are today, it seems small because it's not like this big world ending thing. But compared to that first Alien movie, it is so much more epic and expansive. So in a 2020 lens, it lives in this like epic but still contained sense and so many practical effects, just amazing creature design. Um, I fucking love this movie. Just, it's on HBO right now. Watch it. It is incredible. Um, I do have a, do you like Aliens more than Alien? That's a tough question. I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, Alien is really good. Yeah, Alien is a masterpiece in its own right. if if gun to my head, I'd probably go Alien 
just because it's so much more simple. It's so much yeah. more like straightforward and streamlined. But Aliens, like it is Sigourney's movie through and through. Like she is mm. the star and she owns it and she sells it. And so much of that movie works because of her performance, which by the way, Academy Award nominated performance. Like that movie got yeah. seven Oscar nominations and uh, you know, movies like that barely ever get any recognition. So and I was I watched Alien a couple weeks ago, uh, rewatched at, at my place, and it struck me so hard because obviously Sigourney Weaver is one of the more like undeniable talents of the eighties and I guess nineties. But where's she at? Where's she been? Right, she got relegated to all these sci-fi roles. Yeah, and then never moved there. outside of that. But also, and also there's the factor of she probably just doesn't need to be making stuff and doesn't quite feel like it because yeah. she could be doing a good amount of stuff. In the world of nostalgic fanfare, she could be all over the place mm -hmm. and she deserves to be. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time. Well, so I mean, she is lined up to be in Avatar 2 through 5. <laughs> oh boy. So that's something on. for her. I, it is almost weird comparing Alien to Aliens because they are so starkly different movies. Yeah. They just share the central IP because one of them is like a master of thriller horror and the other one's a master of action. Exactly, exactly. And then right after that, this was yesterday, I did this. I did like an epic triple feature. After that, I watched a three-hour making of documentary about aliens called superior firepower it's all on youtube oh. and it gave me such a deeper appreciation for the film because it goes through the entire making of process from first inception to the final reactions of the movie when it came out there's, uh, there's yeah. a lot of behind the scenes uh content on youtube yeah um, it's interesting Which is, that you mentioned that it's been like a lost thing because it was all over DVD special features back in like the early 2000s. And now it's just like gone. There's a ton on I YouTube. Do, it's really cool. Yeah. I do have, I have a box set of aliens that has that, that exact thing that you were talking about, that little behind the scenes featurette that's just blown out on there. It's, I've always wanted to dive into. Maybe I'll dive into it if it gets put on Quibi instead of YouTube. Yeah. It'll yeah. be delivered to me in quick bites. And then right after that, uh, to, to finish out my Sunday, I dove in to The Abyss, the James Cameron 1989 film. I'm not going to... Have you guys seen The Abyss? No. Uh, yeah, a lot, pretty much nobody has. I hadn't. I, it was my first time seeing it. It's like the lost Cameron movie because everybody talks about Titanic and Terminator and Aliens, but nobody talks about The Abyss. The Abyss fucking rules. It is so good. It is so, so good. It's so much smaller and different than anything else he's done, but it might be like his most unique and his most strange film it's that he's ever done. His most, his most personal movie because his passion in real life is uh, undersea exploration. That's like what he's making these movies for is to fund his yeah, own little... Exactly. And... And, you know, there's a lot of shots in Aliens that are just like, how did they do this? But in The Abyss, it's the same thing. It's like, it's not Aliens and sci-fi shit um, for the most part, 
but it's also it's just underwater shit and you're just like how did they get these shots and a lot of it was filmed underwater and they developed specific uh technology just to get some of these shots so the abyss is on hbo right now i'm not gonna talk in detail about what happens in it because the less you know the better it has one of the most incredible third act sequences i've ever seen it's oh i'm I'm not even gonna say anything it's it's so good like the whole movie is like what like blue and purple i'm sure that like the color is really sick and black yeah a lot of lot of dark dark shadows um so yeah that's what i've been watching i'm gonna try to go deep on a cameron run with true lies and terminator and uh see where that i end up with that all right you, one, more, one more thing i'm sorry did you guys watch or talk about mcmillions already did any of you guys watch that on hbo no, no highly recommend so yeah with, with mcmillions it, it talks about uh mcdonald's uh, monopoly game and what was really going on with it it's kind of, I know we're about to talk about Tiger King, but it's a very similar thing that came out prior to Tiger King. There's a couple like really, really hilarious characters that are like kind of larger than life. You know, how, how do they, you, you couldn't even write this guy, right? It's that kind of thing. So if you do have some time, I would check it out, especially if you're curious about something so weird, like the McDonald's Monopoly game and how it could be so corrupted. Like not only did you have a very small percent chance of winning, you had a 0% chance of winning because of this fucking mafia shit going on. So I was really curious to check it when check it out whenever it got announced because I remember playing McDonald's Monopoly and pretty much knowing it was a scam and still <laughs> going. They would make us go to McDonald's like every day for lunch at, in high school, and I was right. like, "What are you going to get? We're going to get." McDonald's. I was like, "I was like, dude, I have like seven park places, so if I just get one boardwalk." <laughs> then i'll get it right so the game so the game like pretty much worked how you think it would work but little did you know there's this whole cast of characters including the fbi and there's this whole investigation going yeah, it was on like insider trading right yeah pretty much well sort of i'm not going to spoil anything but it's fun to think back about those times when you went to mcdonald's as a kid and you're buying these things and now knowing what was really going on so that's uh yeah that's my bid for mcmillions can i, can right. I get can i like sue mcdonald's can i get part of like some like giant payout of people that i just i got obese because i ate mcdonald's every day trying to win a million dollars go for it man tell them you got covid19 from playing mcmillions it'll it'll be the new supersize me yeah all right well now's the point in the podcast where i have to go uh feed my little baby tigers um while you guys talk about the big tiger show um, so I want to watch this show at some point, but I haven't seen a single second of it. So I want you guys to go off uh, full spoilers if you want. And you're going to do a, a cast, a recast cast, uh, or not a recap. I guess it would be a recast. I don't know. Whatever you want to call Whatever you want to call it. A dream cast. Recats. <laughs> Just Sega Dreamcast. Recast. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I will watch it. I just, um, I got to get in the right mood for something like this. Um, it has been the uh, most watched show on Netflix and therefore in America for over two weeks now. And apparently there's a, there's a special episode coming within yeah, the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I, I might try to watch it before then. Who knows? I just, I've been really like sulking or like, 
not sulking, but like relishing and watching old movies and things like that. So yeah, I want to be in a comfort blanket. Of Zorro. Yeah, exactly. So take it away, boys. Let me know um, if you need me and I will, <laughs> I will be with my little baby tiger. Okay. Good. Um, so I'll say that I am only halfway through with Tiger King. However, I do know, oh. I know the most major of what happens in the back half. Um, so you don't need to hold anything back for the sake of this discussion. Okay. A, a lot of what I want to say is a little bit more unspecific, but I wanted to hear what you guys had to say. This, what I have to say is that this is one of the very rare cases where the biggest phenomenon on television is also probably the best thing on television. Uh, it's not so much the filmmaking, it's not the work of like an auteur genius. It, this is a man who uh, won the lottery, this, this filmmaker. This was his first major project. He's actually by trade a conservationist and he stumbled upon the greatest story ever told on film. Brett? Oh no, we lost. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's this little meta aspect to it um, with this other guy, Rick Kirkham, who was the other TV producer. Who I yeah. don't know if you know the full storyline of what happens with that because you're only halfway through. I don't. I know there's plenty more though. Because this this guy found him first, so this is like its own little like layer and storyline. It is unfucking believable. Yeah how the layers just peel away as you go, especially for the first like few episodes, you start to see, like the second episode is called like cult of personality, right? And, yeah. you, and you suddenly realize like, okay, there's, there's full on cult shit going on. And that's just like a little side story. It's, I, no, it's a I, I was gonna say, I, I have seen this whole thing and it is absolutely incredible. It reminds me of, there was a documentary that we were obsessed with i feel like not enough people have seen it uh it was a movie a documentary called tickled that came out in like 2016 that was about uh the idea of tickling fetish and the wormhole that that documentary went down was very reminiscent of watching tiger king where like the episode went in you're like wait so this lady might have killed her husband like what am i like i have no idea where Every, you, it is the perfect netflix thing where immediately you're like okay well now i have to see like what the fuck is happening now i have to watch the next episode and, about yeah. about every five minutes of every episode there is a revelation that leaves like your jaw on the ground and it's all genuine things it's not filmmaking tricks uh, and all, all credit, by the way, deserves to go to Eric Goody because right. he did stumble upon a goldmine, but he also had the follow through and the wherewithal to like poke and prod and ask the right questions and meet up with these people and stay on their good side for long enough to get interviews with them when, you know, really they should not. I mean, they're all medically insane people, but they should not so, have been revealing what they were revealing. That's I wanted to talk about that because... Like he's, this is like the most watched TV show right now in the entire world or America, whatever it is. And I think there's something to be said, considering that every single character is a villain. Like there, there's points where you think that a couple people, like you think Carol Baskin is good for like maybe like some of the first episode or something, right? Yeah. And then but you, really, she's you realize by, by the end, everybody's fucking awful, right? So I don't know what that says about humanity in general because of those people as like a cross-section of humanity or what it says about us, the people who are watching the show. It's, it, it is interesting. Uh, I think a large part of it is there, 
obviously there is a cottage industry in film of just putting a camera on trash. I mean, the network TLC, the last 10 years of that network, they have made billions of dollars by doing that. Uh, and they did not find the best trash. This is the, this is like finding, uh, a diamond in trash, if you will. I'm just making up phrases off the top of my head. Here. It's, yeah, it's absolutely has that diamond factor, but watching it feels like this mini gun of all these different factors of TV. Like you bring yeah. up TLC, that's a really good one. It's like this fascinate, fascination with true crime that everybody has right now. I was, I was thinking maybe this is like the peak of true crime, but I think it's only going to ramp up people's interest. Yeah. In true crime. Well, the the other thing is because we have we've established that the narrative of what's happening is the most astounding story I've ever seen revealed that happened in real life. But there are a lot of documentaries about like incredible stories. Like you could watch a documentary about the recession in Wall Street and the major players, but those people are not compelling to watch. And every single person that they put the camera on is unbelievable to watch. They are so, and that, that's why I was pushing so hard to do this casting segment because you look at all these humans and you're like, oh, th this is like, this not even, uh, like we're casting it to be, I guess, like a film or like a TV show. These are like sketch characters. These are characters right. too absurd to even be close to reality and yet they're real people. It's genuine characters. Yeah, I, I mean, I, we'll save it for whenever we get into the actual casting thing, but it was hard for me not to make this just a mockumentary, but it's almost, it reminded me, I know Drew, we talked about this off mic, but it's almost like an SNL thing. It's like parodying Trump where you can't parody what's already a parody. So I tried to think of like, what would this even look like if these were like serious characters that you were supposed to actually make? Right. It's, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, and then whenever... It's we've talked a lot about uh, the filmmaking behind it, but the fact that he knew that he had this gym instead of just focusing on just making this this one thing because I think he did a lot of stuff with like CNN documentary like thirty minute documentaries that CNN puts out stuff like that, but instead of focusing on that, he decided to follow this group of characters for yeah because it I mean it, it was it was a he followed, I think. I think this takes place over the course of at least like four years or so. At least, wow, at least but it was a trail of breadcrumbs where he just, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't one big realization where a lot of documentaries, like people have been saying a lot of the best documentaries are ones that aren't about what they set out to be about because that means that there was a twist that made the filmmaker feel more compelled. This has 10 of those. This has 10 different things where Eric Goody was just like, what? Oh, okay. That's an episode. Oh, what? Okay, fuck. Okay, this, right, is right. Show. this is no longer a film. Like, it's incredible. It really, it really keeps yeah. you on your toes of, like, ethically and, and who you think is right, who you think is good. In the beginning, like, you, you, you really lean on this idea that Joe Exotic is kind of, it's like a really backwoods kind of tiger thing, and then Carol Baskin's taking care of them, and then you quickly realize that they're essentially the same thing. And then before you can think about that too much, they go into the cult shit, and murder and whatever the fuck else is going on. I think that more yeah. people need to be talking about Bhagavan Antle because he is. <laughs> Don't worry, we will. We will on this podcast. There's we will so dive in on Bhagavan Antle. Oh, he, this is he also might be the worst person in all yeah, of this. He is because I think they're. I mean, they're all psychopaths, um, or at the very least, sociopaths. But Bhagavan 
is he's basically Joe Exotic, but higher functioning. So he's not like trailer trash. Uh, this is a good- I, that, that parallel is so fucking good to watch. Of, of exactly what you just explained to watch that play out is really funny. Yeah, where they're both, they both suffer from the same form of uh, insecurity-based narcissism where they feel the need to surround themselves with flash because otherwise they, you know, they would have to address their traumas or whatever. But uh, anyway, this is this is where I need to debut one of my new characters I've been working on. Uh, this is um, Dr. Borat Antle, okay? My wives! <laughs> so how did you write down that joke immediately and you're like, no, this is too good for Twitter. No, I have I, to save this for the pod. I thought of it earlier today and I, I was really tossing it around thinking, do I sell this idea to somebody? I mean, at least Bhagavan straight up knows that he's running a cult where nobody else does. Um, I think the reason why, because, I mean, the internet has almost, like, revered Joe Exotic too much to the point where Cardi B is trying to free Joe Exotic. Yeah, it's a little, too, mu- a little too much of that, yeah. Yeah, um, and don't get me wrong, uh, Carol Baskins is terrible, but I feel like the internet has latched onto her specifically uh, to hate because of the hypocrisy that she shows, because she is doing the same exact shit as Joe is, but she is like preaching, like she is this uh, green goddess out here trying to run this beautiful sanctuary. When in reality, she is keeping the tigers in smaller cages than Joe is, and sure, she's not breeding them, but she's doing all these other kind of horrible. She also things. she also has the husband murder thing. Um, which people seem 100% convinced that she did it, which is fun to imagine. Like it makes it a more interesting story. However, her husband was trying to disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. And everyone is like, oh, she did it. He literally, his goal was to disappear. And then he disappeared and they're like, yeah, she killed him for sure. It's like, you know. Yeah, I I, I agree that that theory is, is a little ridiculous. It reminds me, I was talking to Hunter about this, it reminds me a lot of how, like, Reddit used to treat Skylar White in Breaking Bad, where they'd be like, man, what a fucking cunt. Like, Walt's just trying to sell meth, and she won't let him. (laughs) It's like, you know that Joe is, like, a fucking murderer. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's all that stuff, and then also, but without that theory, we wouldn't have Joe's song about Carol. Here, kitty, kitty. There's so many, there's so many little cutaways in the show. I mean, it's edited very, very well. I want to say there's so many little cutaways like that when it's, they're talking about Carol Baskin and then it cuts to one of his music videos and you're like, yeah, you cannot exactly. get so, any crazier than that. So we have, it's, it's literally just the perfect coalescing of what you would want if you were trying to make a documentary because we have every single character is so uh, filmable. The storyline is unbelievable and you have access to years of tapes that they filmed themselves that is more than he could ever capture on his own. I, I struggled to differentiate between what was, uh, you know, Joe Exotic's own f- footage versus what was documentary footage. Exactly. It's like, in what world do you stumble upon that fucking goldmine? That's, well, this is why uh, the timing of when they announced that there would be, uh, you know, a Kate McKinnon project about this it wasn't after it had become a phenomenon. They announced it like pretty much the day after it got dropped because Netflix at that point knew that this was going to be huge because 
this is a one in a billion project. But I, I want to reiterate how crazy it is that this isn't just a gem. This was a gem that was found twice. And because of the insane circumstances of these people, it was, I, I don't want to spoil anything for you, you know, but um, Hunter, do you know what I'm talking about here with what happened with the original idea? I don't think Drew's yeah, gone I mean, yet. It's, I, I, yeah, Drew, I don't know like what kind of stuff you've researched ahead. You can just kind of um, spoil, it's fine. I'm okay, really, so it's going to be compelling. So this guy, this, this guy Rick Kirkham, who you know, he he's the other TV producer. You know, he worked with news stations just like this guy, Eric Goody. Um, he had all of this footage, and it was essentially burned down. It was in this one editing building inside the compound. And That's episode four. I saw that one. Okay, right. So he had all of this up. This was the gem that he found, and because of how crazy these people are, it was all just thrown away and forgotten about. Hmm. But I mean, yeah, exactly. Like this isn't a new thing that just that Eric was the first person to come across. I, honestly, like Rick Kirkham is like one of the he's one of the most objective viewers in the show. This guy and uh, the campaign manager, honestly, Joshua. the campaign manager Joshua Joshua Dial is my favorite character in the entire because he's just this wholesome guy who was just in Walmart one day and Joe stumbled up to him and was like, "Hey, you should run my campaign, to be president." He was like, oh, okay. Sure, and it gets it gets really dark for him, but he it's not much of a spoiler, but he also pretty much ends the show on the environmental note. You know, mm -hmm. he's the one that in the end says, like, guys, by the way, like these tigers are supposed to be like in their natural habitat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, because it's it I mean, yeah, no, Josh definitely he experiences the most traumatic thing to happen on the show. Like he does witness a person die like kill themselves in front of him like it is unbelievably dark how what yeah. he has to go through but i really really love that guy and i just i love the twist of it coming in where jeff lowe is this guy who is also even more twisted because he sees what joe is and sees all this debt that joe has accumulated but still it's like, okay, I can use this guy pretty much as like a mascot. I can use this guy as like the queen of England. And I'll just be the one behind the scenes running everything. And he can just be the guy, sure, he can run for governor or whatever. He can do whatever his Joe Exotic shit is. But I'm going to be the person who's like bleeding him dry. And eventually I will take his zoo from him. It's just, it's such a blessing. And the fact that it came out now could not have been better timing for Netflix you know, despite everything that's going on, this is a show that is deserving of being a nationwide phenomenon. And it got that treatment. And it just, it makes me happy to see, because there are not many monolith shows that we will see again in our lifetimes that every single person has seen. But there is no one that I wouldn't recommend this to. It is just so, it's basic schlock trash entertainment, but it's also like, uh, it has like the Nathan for you factor of just like dissecting a train wreck of cringiness. Like it, it, sometimes you just need to put a camera on someone and they will do all the work for you and not even realize how much they're fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's, there's a ton of little details that I would love to touch on. Um, we, we don't really have time. There was one I wanted to mention was the trademark infringement portion and like the, the Google search aspect of, 
of what Joe Exotic did of using the, the trademark yeah. content. And it, it's so cr- ridiculous to watch because of how obviously illegal it is. Yeah. Like, they just, like when, they, when they, they hold up the two logos and it's like the exact same fucking thing. It's well, that's, that's what I think the appeal of Joe is to people. Like why Carol's getting up so much shit because it's like a, a Trump deal where like if someone's openly committing crimes, peop- some people are sort of like, you know what? At least he's open about it. <laughs> like, right, at least, right. At least he just is like basically admitting to doing a felon, as opposed to like, yeah, hiding. like when really he is, it doesn't really matter. He's just he's just going ahead and like just saying like I would kill her. I would hire someone to kill this woman. <laughs> Where Carol won't even say that. If, if they come try to take my tigers, it's gonna be another Waco in here. Yeah. <laughs> on his that's own an episode on, one. Own acting, <laughs> on his own TV show, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to do a mass shooting. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's just, what, what could be better to watch? I cannot think of something that I would rather watch than someone just absolutely unraveling. Um, what, what, what I will say is um, the end was a little, I wish the end was a little bit more, had a little bit more oomph to it. It was, I think it was missing that. And I guess there's another episode coming out to try to like tie up the story a little bit, but it kind of, yeah. I mean, that's a symptom of just being a documentary is it because it's real life, you know, it doesn't necessarily have a, a, a bow tie on the end right well i mean and we are in like spoil i mean it's clear like the very first episode has joe getting interviewed from prison so therefore you know that he's going to end up in jail in the end which i guess they did that due to the fact that you could just google joe exotic and where he is now and figure out that he's in jail anyways so since they they were just like all right we're just gonna be in front of, like he's in jail now so it doesn't it feels almost anticlimactic the ending but it, it, I I agree with you I did want a little bit more from the ending I'm not really expecting much from this eighth episode that's getting released because yeah. I don't think it's gonna have much more Joe in it I feel like if anything it'll be mostly like Jeff Lowe and like how GW Zoo is doing now yeah. so do you want to get into our casts? Yeah, so I only have, I, I have a feeling you guys have like a ton of people. I have a few, so I could just interject with who I picked. Yeah, we can just go, go character by character and go around. So we got to start obviously with Joe. Okay. Um, so, have, well, first of all, did you guys, when you were doing this, what kind of a thing, were you thinking like a mockumentary? I was all over the place. I was thinking dark comedy. Uh, not Not necessarily mockumentary, but maybe shot like it, but I don't. I didn't want to like just make a fake documentary about a documentary. So I was thinking okay. a dark comedy, no cutaway interviews, but like sort of filmed pretty naturalistically. Okay. I was, I, at first I almost thought of like a documentary now style of making this. And that was like, Oh, that's almost not possible with something no, like this because it. it is so, yeah, it is pretty much documentary now how it is. So I tried to make it uh, a dramatic screenplay as much as I could. Uh, I don't know if you guys have directors or anything. My directors, I have the Safdie brothers because the Safdie oh brothers God. know they know how to make you uh, root for terrible human beings and make things feel very tense and like hold the tension just hold you in this ball of tension throughout i think it's i think it would be like i I don't i don't mean to like criticize your list but i think it's like too complex it would have to be like it'd have to really focus in for it to work oh yeah no no no. for sure i'm this is totally i mean this is like if the safty brothers wanted to do a four episode hbo miniseries of this uh which isn't going to happen so (laughs) 
This right. is All just right. purely a hypothetical. Who's your Joe Exotic? My Joe Exotic is Nicolas Cage. Um, I, see where, I, just, I see where your thoughts were with that. So, because, yeah. Nick Cage is fucking an incredible dramatic actor. I was just watching, a, I watched Adaptation for the first time this weekend, which shows off him in a dual role. And I think that I was watching that movie and I was like, oh God, this guy would be the perfect Joe Exotic. But I have been a Nick Cage stand for fucking years. I think that Nick Cage, this could be, the role to like really bring out the full version of him. I was throwing around some other ideas uh, of different people, like a David Spade type, but I tried to think outside the box of people that haven't been mentioned in the mass list of people who would play. Joe yeah, Rock. obviously because they announced the only name that's been announced is Kate McKinnon playing Carol Baskin, which is that's a more of a political choice in terms of like getting the rights to a giant star than it is like the right fit for that role. Uh, but yeah, obviously there's speculation going on. Dax Shepard is campaigning to get this and I'm worried that he's going to get it because he has poll because he has a massively popular podcast. Um, he's not a good actor. He's not very good at acting. Jeez. Do we care? Dax Shepard hate. I he's it's a, him. Him and Ed Norton have both been campaigning for the role of Joe Exotic. Oh, All right, okay. so mine, can I get mine now? All right, so, so so bear bear with me here. So I, I went a lot on looks for some of them. So what I was thinking is number one, Michael Keaton. Exotic. <laughs> I think I think he has the look, and I think he could pull off like a, a sort of a dark comedy kind of role with it. Um, oh, that's that's interesting. He's older, but Joe is also pretty. Joe's Joe's old, so and I then like I, I want to give a special shout out. It's a weird thing, but I think the lower half of his face is the same lower half of Timothy Spall's face, the guy who plays Wormtail in Harry Potter. So if we're doing yeah. like an ASMR, like his face is right <laughs> up to the camera, exactly. But yeah, if my, we're my, doing my the pick... Quibi where you can only see part of the frame. Exactly, that, exactly. That's the guy. So yeah, my, my pick is Michael Keaton. I think he kind of looks like him and I think he could easily pull that off. Honestly, I really like that. Part. Michael Keaton is incredible. This could be Michael Keaton's Oscar. Is it um, <laughs> Joe Exotic? So my, my second choice genuinely was David Spade because he has the look better than anyone else, I think. And he has played dumb fucking Hicks with mullets before. Um, I don't think that he can pack. The thing about Joe Exotic is he is magnetic. He, it's not just a, a character that you laugh at. It's someone that has convinced hundreds of people to follow him. It's, it's um, like you said, he has the Bhagavan Antle effect, just like yeah. a little Just more... with, like, with uh, like homeless people. Yeah. <laughs> Instead well, of like attractive con women. Convicts. <laughs> I mean, that's why I went with, for a couple of reasons. So my number two was Shia LaBeouf. But one, I think that he's a little bit too young. And uh, two, I like... I would join a cult with Nicolas Cage leading it before I would join a cult with Shia LaBeouf. I think Shia would be a good choice. I it depend if you went younger, like with Kate McKinnon being Carol Baskin, maybe you could put the cast a little bit younger, and Shia could slide into. You, you know, he, you know, he's played like a. I ended up putting Shia a different spot on my list of actors on here, um, but yeah, no, I do like that. My Joe, I went with Sam Rockwell. Um, he's played, he has a bit of the look in him. He has that shape of head, I guess you would say, 
like he's not he doesn't have like the strong jaw he has a bit of a recessive one but he still has a very distinctive face uh he's played dumb southerners before and done a very good job at it uh and also he has intensity he is relatively method like he i i would believe him as sort of someone that could become like an iconoclast um so yeah i think he would do well yeah, I think I think that would be good if they did fill in everybody else. Like if if it wasn't just the Joe Exotic movie, if they do actually fill in the rest of the cast, I could see that. Yeah, what you got? So Carol, uh, Brett, who do you have? I didn't pick anybody for that. I couldn't think of so, anybody who I wanted. Honor. I I was between two people, and I landed on one person um, on here. My Carol Baskins is Catherine Keener. Hmm who you might know as the mom in Get Out is uh, her most recent big role that she had. I was between her and Allison Janney uh, mm. to play that role. But as far as uh, somebody who looks very sweet on the surface and then they are able to play having this very dark, deep uh, character underneath, that you're just seeing just this sweet surface and underneath you're like, oh shit, I do not want to mess with this lady at all because I don't know what she could possibly be doing right now. That's pretty good. I, I went with Catherine Keener. Yeah, I threw around a lot of people. If I were going by type, I would pick Paula Pell because um, she just is, you know, honest, like a plus size blonde actress and there aren't a ton of plus size actresses in general to choose from. Nice. <laughs> Fred <laughs> did lean in to say that. Um, I ended up, fuck man, I think I'm going to go with Sarandon, um, based on facial type. This is an older pick. That's it. That's, that's, that's the one. Right. Well, because I'm thinking, first of all, big open face, giant eyes, just like Carol, like just like a really open face that like people just sort of want to look at. And then secondly, Sarandon in real life and in her acting is really good at playing sort of a spacey character. And that's the vibe I get from Carol. She's sort of, she's weirdly uh, serene and, and like a little bit out of it at any given moment, even though she's obviously so clearly business oriented. And she works, she, she could be like this subtly sexual, like she would work with the husband that she keeps on a leash, right? <laughs> yeah. do, do, do you guys, do you guys want to do Howard next? I, have I, sure I do have a, I do have yeah, a Howard. I, I was going to say, uh, Gaia had a pick for Carol Baskins, which was uh, Kathy Bates. Yeah, that was on my short so list. Has, she also has a big, uh, like a good Carol look to her. Um, my Howard though with I went based off of who my Carol was, so I went somebody a little bit younger, but somebody who looks like he would be easily manipulated by somebody else and just kind of has this like tall, lanky, vulnerable look to him. And that's why I went with Stephen Merchant. <laughs> that rules. <laughs> Stephen Merchant is my that Howard. That's sure. pretty good. Yeah. Um <laughs> who did you do, Brett? Um Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> okay. I, I think I think he has the look and I think he could really catch the same kind of voice inflection that, that that guy has that you would need to nail that performance. It's like really, really dry, super, super dry. I think you could get it. I went purely by beta vibes, so I picked Buscemi. Because <laughs> I I thought about putting Buscemi as funny. a different role. What, what I are we doing? Putting him as, I thought about putting him as a, a one of um like 
Joe's henchmen type guys. He just he would be great in this. He's I was mainly going on imagining all these actors wearing the leash <laughs> and like being on all fours. And right. I thought he's generally yeah, yeah. the funniest person to see right. <laughs> doing that. Um, so next, let's do we gotta do Bhagavan. I think I got the one. I I, yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't think of one that I was confident enough. So I'll, I'll hear what you guys have to I, say. I believe that it has to be Will Ferrell. Um, Will Ferrell is now in his in his like I, I'd say early fifties. He's big. He's tall like Bhagavan. He's larger than life like Bhagavan. Uh, he's sort of he's really good at just like keeping talking. Like even through even if he's saying nonsense like Ron Burgundy style, it doesn't matter the content of what he's saying. It's that he his people are listening to him. Um, and I, I think imagining the introduction of Bhagavan when he unprompted in the documentary spells his entire name. Do you remember that? I was imagining yes. actors doing that. And Will Ferrell, I think, would be so goddamn good. I love that as far as uh, comedies go. Um, I was trying to think more of a dramatic thing. And a guy who I think has the look and I think also has a charismatic quality to him that you could see him starting a cult is my friend, Tim Robbins. It's not too bad of a I'm talking. Here. I'm talking to Shawshank Redemption. We're going to yeah. very tall. in here. Looks 6'6". Six, six. That's, that that's, that's a really good pick. I like he that. has the complete look of Bhagavan. And he just has like... This very soft face, like Bhagavan does, where you're just like, I trust this. Guy. I do. I do I not trust Bhagavan for it. I hate the way Bhagavan looks. First of all, I think that Bhagavan, like, I think that you can see why he does have this affectation to him that does draw people into him. I mean, you guys, you guys, both those are both really good, but they're just two different movies. I think that Tim Robbins works with my whole like Michael Keaton kind of vibe. Yeah. So I have a I have a couple more. They're kind of random. Number one is John Ranke, one of the zoo workers. Um, I had Brian Cranston. Whoa, which zoo worker? Again, I think that is that the one that's, who's missing the the legs. That's no oh. legs guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, I I I really like it. I actually thought about him for John Ranke. Um, I put somebody else down for my John Ranke, but uh. I put down a Chris Cooper for mine. Chris. Also because I was I was watching Adaptation and that guy can play a hick very well. Um, <laughs> in that role, oh, he is a guy yeah. who's... Uh, he, if you haven't seen Adaptation, I didn't really know if he had that kind of a thing in him, but he just looks a lot like John Ranke. I can definitely see Brian Cranston, though, in this role, too. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I don't have one for that guy, so who else do you have, Brett? All right, uh, my last one is for Travis. Um, I think Travis was the second husband, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you guys, you guys know who I'm talking about. I have Pete yeah, Davidson. Younger one or the older? Pete Davidson. Yeah, he's the younger one who's like a big druggie, rides his four wheeler. No, that rocks. I mean, yeah, I, th- I know, think that works. A, a young dumb boy with charisma. Yeah, I I like Pete Davidson a lot in there. I, I can definitely see it. He's got that big husband energy as he's known uh, um, for. I don't have him. I have the first husband, John Finley. Okay, yeah, who do you who guy. do you have? That is the role that I put Shia LaBeouf in. 
Yeah. Nice. 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 That definitely works. Um, I went based purely off of look because the whole time I was looking at him, I just couldn't stop thinking about Chris Pontius from Jackass. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) He looks exactly like Chris Pontius. That's pretty good. And he always Um, has his shirt off. Yeah. So I went with that. Um, who, who else do I got sitting over here? Um, oh, the head keeper of the zoo, the long, the long haired guy with the oh, hat. And the I couldn't, I couldn't think of one. There is a man who has played this character twice and it's Bill Hader uh, in Hot Rod. Yeah. He's been this guy before and he has like the deep voice and like the tall kind of slender frame. I, I actually, I thought about putting that down on here, but I, I saw that. I was just like trying to get inspiration. I Googled this guy and I got a side-by-side of the two of them. And as soon as I saw that, I couldn't get it out of my head. So I felt like cheating by putting that on my list. That's fair. I also, I did actually write down a John Ranke uh, choice. Um, I picked Steven Root to play him. Okay. Really, you want to cast as many people as possible with removable teeth. And he has a removable veneer. Um, So that works. Um, the producer of Exotic TV, Rick Kirkham. You got anything? No. I I have Ed Harris. Dude, I have Ed Harris. Rick Kirkham. <laughs> it's I mean, just it's almost not fair with the black cowboy. Maybe it was black, just yeah, the black cowboy had bald old white men. I would want him to lose weight to be a little less imposing because that guy is like very slender, and that's kind of why he kind of like scoots by. I feel like he's just always in the background, secretly like pulling strings. Um, and then I, who else do I have? So I have this. I have a couple other people on here. Um, my Alan Glover, aka the Hitman. Uh, I have Michael Roker on here. Um, just based off of look alone, uh, this guy just looks like the dude, and he also looks like you would hire him to murder someone else. So, uh, that's my guy there. Um, this, I I did I casted um, my uh, the Josh Dial and the James Garrettson the other the other businessman guy uh, for my Joshua Dial of Haley Joel Osmond. Whoa, wait! I feel like he could be either one. <laughs> so that was my problem because my my James Garrettson role is Paul Walter Hauser, and you could very Holy easily fit those two roles. And I don't know if that makes me just uh, if I'm typecasting. Right, that's the guy who's like, "There's a bomb in Centennial Pork." It's that guy. <laughs> Shit, dude. I don't know if I'm typecasting these two guys, but you could flip them. I think that both of them would be great. And then finally, we didn't even mention this before whenever we were talking about, it, but uh, Mario Tabro, the drug kingpin in Miami, who is the inspiration behind yeah. Scarface. Yeah. Uh, get Al Pacino to play that guy. How about that? Inspired How about you get Hunter. fucking Scarface to play? You, where'd you pull that name from? I can't figure it out. What? <laughs> no, that I mean, obviously. That guy, yeah, that guy, very interesting. Is there more of him in the back half of the season? Not really. No, he's no. pretty much just in that one episode, and then that's yeah. kind of it with this um, guy who's just this... He gets I, sentenced to 100 years in prison, and they just out after eight. Like... I, I have one more. I also cast Jeff Lowe, um, and I gave that one to Spade because I think he would actually be better in that part, even if he looks more like Joe. Jeff Lowe is like a type of like Vegas sleaze that uh, David Spade plays very well. 
And uh, did I say who my Jeff Lowe was? No, I think that we might have skipped over that. No, but I do. I like David Spade in that role as somebody. He seems like because wait, who was your Joe Sam Rockwell? Yeah. So I could definitely see David Spade like getting one over on a Sam Rockwell type guy, which you have to keep in like that dynamic in mind whenever you're right. casting those two roles. So who's your low? My low is Willem Dafoe. Holy shit! What? The look isn't quite there. I will admit that. That's I will admit that Willem Dafoe doesn't quite look like him, but Willem Dafoe, he has this this thing to him where you see him and you're just like, God, I fucking like, you are just up to some shit right now. And I just know it in my soul. And that's why I feel like he would be a perfect guy. I just I just get Brett Michaels vibes from Jeff Lowe, like not just because of the hat yeah. bandana, but just no, that's, in that's general. His whole, <laughs> Brett Michaels is Vegas sleazebag, basically. Yeah, um, I, I, I just always think about that. I didn't even want to say it, but I did. No, he's very much a Brett Michaels type. Um, like that's yeah. I'm sure that's like his idol. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude, he got to go on TV and have sex a bunch. That rocks. <laughs> Um, well, I guess we're we done. We didn't, we didn't type in the we didn't uh, draft anybody for the Lauren Lowe role, his wife. Um, no, I mean the a lot of the female characters in this just didn't get their time because we're following a bunch of male psychopaths and then also Carol Baskin. Baskin. You yeah, know? I I almost I almost did put like some people of color in here to like. Uh, <laughs> racially diversify my movie dramatization of this but i almost feel like that color play white trash i yeah no i feel like it's almost (laughs) racist for me to put somebody of color in this horrible person role has this podcast always been so racially blind or like did i just get here (laughs) winston no it's just whatever you're on we have to we have plenty of jews represented in this list uh, (laughs) so that's all that we need (laughs) fuck all right well i guess that wraps up the last thing i want to say is in my eyes only halfway through the only good person that i've seen on the show seems to be carol's dead husband's assistant that woman that woman seems very pure of heart and if anything happens to her i'll be very upset um but yeah other than that this is just it it's it's like always sunny the documentary every single person is worse than the last person you just saw it's incredible can't recommend it enough. Obviously, you've probably seen it already. It's Tiger King. Everybody's seen it. Um, but yeah, we can we can just wrap from there. Yeah, I I, I I agree. I think that I like him and Joshua Dial, the campaign manager, the only two people that I actually care for. Oh, friend of the and pod, I actually uh, reach Nate, out to Joshua Dial and make sure that he's okay. <laughs> Nate uh, recommended for that role the guy in season nine of The Office, the the shorter guy. You know, uh, you are thinking of the guy in Hot Tub Time Machine, as yes. he's uh, more well known, and his Arguable. name is Clark Duke. Yes, Clark Duke. What, what do you think about that? I it's can not, definitely see that. No, I I, I uh, recognize him more from Sex Drive. Sex Drive too. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if you guys. Here. It is kind of weird. I just Googled Clark Duke and uh, he has very long hair now and it's kind of uh, weird to look at. Let's talk about that for a while. <laughs> Clark Duke, are you doing okay? Are you doing okay, Clark? Well, that's going to do it for We Bought a Mic. Uh, my name's Ernest Calderon. Uh, <laughs> so for Brett Namaroff. Uh, my, my name's Drew Deaton. That, that was nothing. That was nothing at all. 
Um, we're gonna I'm Ernest on. cut that if you're listening. Uh, Hi, thanks for having me and honestly week. i'm honestly just happy to be hanging with my friends again it's good to see you guys i know we can do this more often yeah. and frankly what if we didn't record it wouldn't that be crazy if we just like, actually talk? you know i think i got a thing at that <laughs> oh time. no i'm sorry yo that was so weird of me uh drew's so only hopping on he, he, he brett only wants to be on here for those like sweet sweet three listens that we get on each i'm paying episode. i'm paying your fucking rent you. hunter <laughs> yeah uh easily like tenfold really yeah. uh but yeah. yeah that that's it i'd say for this episode uh so for ernie uh it's brett it's it's true it's <laughs> hunter thanks for coming on brett uh see see you later thanks guys bye <laughs>